today on Ag News Daily. We put together a network of breeders so that we can bring the breeder uh, closer to the farmer, and uh, that, that does a lot of different things. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Delaney Howell, one of the hosts for the Ag News Daily Podcast, joined by my co-host Mike Pearson. And Mike, it feels like we have been on a hiatus here, just like the government has also been on a hiatus the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It's been a minute or two since we last did a podcast. The world has continued to turn, although you're right, not in not in Washington, D.C., no, but in other so places, things have happened. But uh, before we get into the news, Delaney Howell, how was your holiday, Christmas, New Year's, the works? <laughs> I know we really haven't talked too much before that or uh, since that. Uh, Christmas was good. Ate a lot of good food. Got sick on I got sick on Christmas night, so I ended up, you know, spending lots of time in the bathroom puking up all of my Christmas uh, goodies. So I was back to pre Christmas fluff, so I was okay with that. Yeah. New Year's Eve was good, fun, etc. And I'm ready to rock and roll, hit the new year running. Mike, do you have a New Year's resolution? You know, I don't. I'm not big on New Year's resolutions because yeah, I don't stick to them. So I just mm. kind of cut out the middleman and quit making them. <laughs> well, my thing is, like, why do you have to wait till the new year to make one? Like, if you need to change something or something needs to be fixed, then I don't think you should be waiting till the beginning of the year to do it. Like, I get the time commitment. It's just convenient. But I don't know. That's my thought. Yeah, that's true. Plus, I don't have anything I need to change. You oh, know, I mean, I'm I'm as close to so perfection perfect. as God will allow. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. sure. You know. Sure. Yeah. Well, glad we got that update out of the way, Delaney. Yes. Did What's you have a good? Day? Did you have a good uh, holiday season? Yeah, yeah, it was nice. Did uh, did the Christmas thing on Christmas yes. Day with my family, and that was. Uh, very nice. Played a game called Settlers of Catan. Oh, Catan. yeah. My family likes that game, too. Mm-hmm. I do, too. It's a lot of fun. It's like Risk mixed with Monopoly. Oh, actually, speaking of Risk, my family has um, an, a Risk tournament every year, like, around Christmas time. This is the first year I've ever freaking won. We have a actual Risk trophy. It uh, is an old horse trophy because my sister-in-law works for the Louisa County Extension. So she just rounded up an old horse trophy and made us a, you know, an official Howell Family Risk trophy. And this is the first year I've won. Like, I am not a good Risk player. What country did you start with? Um, I started in South South uh, America. It's kind of like where I took over first. And then by the end of the game, I had every place taken over, obviously, because that's what you have to do to win. But yeah, I seriously, this was like, I've just never won it, and I don't know if my brothers and father weren't trying, and they're just like, let me win, but I'm going to go with it. Absolutely. A win's a win. That's all that matters. That's how it gets <laughs> recorded in the win. record books. That's right. Well, you know, that's interesting. South America's where you started. We've got news out of South mm-hmm. America today. What is it, Mike? Fill us well, in. Well, we've got a couple of stories okay. out of South America. The first one, in uh, South America, Argentina, Brazil, we've got a weather story. We've mm-hmm. got some dryness in parts of Brazil. We've got some concerns that that might be lowering the size of their 2018-19 soybean crop. And, as we'll get to in the market segment, that lent a little bit of a tailwind to the soybean markets today. So that's story oh, one. Dryness in Brazil, and then there's also been some excessive moisture in Argentina, which is hurting both their soybean and their wheat crop, which, if I were an Argentinian grower, that would really suck, since last year they had a drought, and now this year they're getting too much moisture. Anyway, Hmm. I would be a little bitter. On average, I suppose, over the last two years, they're probably doing pretty well. 
Yeah. Well, actually, interestingly enough, I also have a quick update here related to South America, and that is Bolsonaro, Brazil's new president, was inaugurated Tuesday. Yes, he was. And I've seen him called far right several times yes. in uh, in different news reports. He did something that I thought was interesting. So he was inaugurated on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And then on Wednesday, he issued an executive order making the Ag Ministry responsible for deciding on lands claimed by indigenous people. Hmm. Yes. And I was like, OK, what, what does that mean? Yeah. And Reuters was reporting on this. They said it's likely to enrage environmentalists because here's why. Indigenous people in Brazil, there's under a million indigenous people, uh, 900,000. They make up less than 1% of the population, but they live on 264 million acres or 12.5% hmm. of the country's territory. So this move took control of these lands away from kind of like their interior department and put it in with the ag ministry. And there is concerns that this might open up swaths of the Amazon rainforest, which have been protected by the previous ministry, open it up to agricultural and commercial uh, development. Interesting. Yes, hmm. very interesting. Not going to have any immediate impacts. Right. Uh, basically, the Brazilian Congress has 120 days to sort of ratify this change. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds like they're probably going to, but even then, it's going to take a long time for any rainforest to be torn down or converted into cropland. But it's just, it, it's a unique change that he talked about during the campaign, but I don't think anybody really took seriously, and then boom, Day two of his presidency, whack, this is what we're doing. Twelve and a half percent of the country's territory is now under the Ag Ministry. I mean, he's been called the Trump-like president of South America many times. This is just, I think, reiterating that again. Yeah, it is. You know, just like President Trump with uh, day two, getting rid of TPP, yep. following through on a campaign promise. That's kind of what Bolsonaro is doing right now. Absolutely. Well, talking about trade, we've got a couple of updates. Obviously, we had a lot of things happen here over the past week and a half, really, since we um, have been on podcast hiatus. We've got, of course, a new trade negotiation starting or a new meeting starting in Beijing on January 7th. Those are supposed to be U.S. officials, lower level officials headed to Beijing to discuss, you know, what to do here before the upcoming deadline of March 1st when the temporary truce expires. And we've also got some news here. President Trump tweeted this weekend that he had a good conversation with President Xi and said that, quote, big progress is being made in the effort to reach a deal with China. With China. He also said that the deal is, quote, moving along very well and that the agreement will be, quote, very comprehensive and will cover all subjects, areas, and points of dispute. Mike, have you seen, did you see that tweet this weekend? Yes, I did. And then I saw some comments from U.S. Trade Rep. Robert Lighthizer, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. said that, quote, additional tariffs with China may be necessary to negotiate uh, big concessions. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So speaketh with a forked tongue from the executive branch of the white of the uh, U.S. government. It sounds like there's a lot left to sort out yeah. before we're actually in the clear here in this uh, trade tariff truce period. Absolutely. And so some, um, I guess, preliminary kind of end of the year 
numbers have been calculated here by Purdue University, and they're uh, counting about $2.9 billion to losses in both the U.S. and Chinese economy for the year 2018. Hmm. Interesting. Two, what was that number? 2.28? billion. $2.9 billion. Mm-hmm. That seems small, doesn't I, it? You know, that's what I was thinking, too, but it's like, well, that's billion, so that's, what, th- four sets of zeros? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it's a big number for yeah. sure. But if we've got, um, I mean, let's just say, four billion bushels of soybeans. Mm-hmm. Let's see. That's a billion. That's a billion. I'm doing some quick math. Okay. It's a billion times. What do we figure we lost on trade disputes? Let's just call it 50 cents. Let's say we would have had a decline. Um, I mean, shoot, that's $2 billion right there. I know. Yeah. 50 cent decline in soybean prices. It seems low. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. Well, who knows? I'm not, not a doctor, even though I spent seven years in college. I think, uh, so it says due to their tariff, so maybe that's just tariff impact? I'm not sure. Yeah, it could have been. I don't know. Robert Lighthizer said we made, we generated $12 billion in additional tariff mm-hmm. funds. Mm-hmm. Basically, Americans were taxed $12.5 billion to bring in Chinese goods. Mm-hmm. So well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. But Anyways, it's big numbers, regardless. Yeah, it is. So a couple of other things. I'm sure... People are tired of hearing about government shutdown, et cetera, et cetera. But I think something worth noting right now as we look at trade especially is um, as of Friday, county FSA offices are suspended as part of the government shutdown. They've been deemed, I guess, not important or not as priority. Yep, not essential. So that's, uh, you know, that matters for market facilitation program payments. And the thing to note here, which I kind of had forgotten or had been off my radar because January felt like so far away, but producers applying for those payments, which you only have to apply once, remember, to get both the second tranche and the first tranche. However, you only have until January 15th to sign up at all. So my question is, well, what if we don't get a government resolution here until, you know, the 7th, the 10th? I mean, if it's after the 15th, do producers, are they going to extend that sign-up period? I'm not sure. I would assume they will. I would assume so, too. But assuming, you know what the saying is, right, Mike? Assuming do makes indeed. a donkey out, out of you. Of you and me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you could say it because it's, okay. it's a play on the word. It's assume, okay. A-S-S-U-M-E. Right, perfect. Exactly. Yeah, that won't affect our, 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 our non rating. rating. <laughs> perfect. Um, but actually, building on that, I had a conversation today with some folks on Twitter. Mm-hmm. For those of us, people like me, who have borrowed money from the FSA via uh, direct loans, um, you should still make your payment on oh. time. It does sound like they will be dating those payments when they get them. Um, they just won't withdraw that money from your account until the government shutdown is over. Ah, okay. So continue to pay back your loans, but, you know that money's going to hang around in the account for a little while. And for people like me who never seem to have enough money in the account anyway, I'm hoping this (laughs) shutdown drags on for a long time. I'm sure you do. Well, many people That'll give me time to make that that check valid. There you go. Yeah, it won't bounce. Hey, you're welcome, FSA. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, they only need to stay shut down for about three years, and then that check is good. (laughs) 
Uh, I don't think that we have quite high hopes of that. Congress is uh, reconvening tomorrow, Thursday, so that's, of course, going to be their first thing, hopefully, for a discussion is budget, government shutdown, yeah, etc. Yeah, which it all comes back to the wall, so we'll see. I know, that's true. Um, another quick update here as we look at things being affected by the government shutdown. Um, as we know, the ELD mandate had kind of a extension period so livestock haulers will not be required to use the ELDs during the government shutdown. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration noted on, on their website that the current exemption will be continued to be upheld until we see something else happen. Hmm. So more just waiting. Yeah, basically. Wow. Well, how frustrating is that? Very frustrating. Very frustrating. Uh, we've been waiting to read the markets for quite a little while here. Delaney, what do you say? Do you have any more news, or should we jump in and see what the markets are doing? I just wanted to mention one other quick thing here, because we don't often talk about rice on the podcast. That's not something we grow here in the Midwest, not something either of us are super familiar with. But I've eaten a lot of it. Yeah, me too. It's good. I like it fried. <laughs> um China has now technically opened its markets for the first time in a long time to U.S. rice. So the Chinese ban was lifted just this past Friday. We've seen China already buy quite a few shipments of U.S. rice. However, we still see a couple of barriers in place as we're working to get those markets officially opened for good. Uh, USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service reached out to U.S. rice mills on Monday and told them basically that they have a lot of steps to go through to get sanitary and phytosanitary protocols in place and signed and reapproved by China. They have a lot of uh, measures and hoops to jump through there. So we're starting to see those things come to fruition, but it sounds like it's still going to be a little bit of a slow process. Yes, and I read some interesting statistics once this was opened up. If China were to come into the U.S. market and buy rice aggressively, mm -hmm. they could use up the entire American rice crop wow. in 12 and a half days. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That they is crazy. A lot of rice. That's crazy. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Yes. Well, I don't have an update on rice prices, but I do have an update <laughs> on the rest of the grains. What do you say, Delaney? Should we get to it? Let's do it, Mike. All right, folks. And our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, New Year, time to make that new resolution to stick to a marketing plan. Do that with our friends from Zaner's Help. You can reach them at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at zaner.com. Looking at the corn market day, we've got green pretty well all down the screen in the grains. Not the same story in livestock. But in corn, the March contract was up three quarters of a cent at 375 and three quarters. The May up a half at 383 and a half. Soybeans, big winner on the day with that dryness in Brazil. The January contract up 12 and a quarter cents at 894 and three quarters. The March up 12 cents to close at 907 even. And Chicago wheat saw a little bit of gains today. The March contract up three and a half cents at 506 and three quarters. The May up two and a half at 513 even. Jumping over to the world of livestock, as I mentioned, we've got some weakness in the cattle complex to start the year. The February contract was down 35 cents at 123.52.50. The April down 47 and a half cents to close at 125.77.50. In feeder cattle, the January contract was off 90 cents on the day at 147.95, with March down 80 
$0.50 to close at $145.95. In lean hogs, the February contract up $0.72.5 at $61.70, and the April up $0.47.5 to close at $67.55. Quick look over at the dairy market. In Class 3 milk, the January contract was up two cents on the day at 14.33, while the February was up four to finish at 14.76. Now let's jump into our conversation with the Farmers Business Network about their new seed selling and delivery options. Last week, we talked about some of the announcements that were coming out of the Farmer to Farmer conference from the Farmers Business Network, and today we're going to follow up on one of those. FBN is launching the F2F Genetics Network, and on the phone with me now is the FBN Head of Seeds, Ron Wolfkuhl. Ron, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, absolutely. Really look uh, look forward to uh, sharing what we're doing at FBN. Well, let's break it down. You guys are in the seed business, but you're doing something a little bit different. Can you tell us what the big announcement was at the Farmer to Farmer conference? Yeah, so so what we've announced is um, uh, we've launched uh, what's called F2F Genetics Network, and and what's different is is we've put together a network of breeders so that we can bring the breeder uh, closer to the farmer, and uh, that that does a lot of different things. One is it will accelerate the product development process with regards to the speed by which uh, we can bring genetics that will fit on specific farms. Um, it also allows us to cut out some steps of the value chain. Uh, which then allows us to bring forward some, actually some pretty incredible prices uh, for the farmer. And uh, this would be around our, our initial products, our conventional corn hybrids, and then uh, our soybean products today are glyphosate-tolerant soybeans. So this would be the original Roundup Ready One trait. So what exactly, I guess, how exactly is this going to be working? Do farmers just call in to FBN and order some seed? Well, so um, absolutely, a farmer can call in and, and order the seed. But uh, you know, normally a farmer is going to have a discussion around which hybrids or which soybean varieties. Or uh, we've also uh, now launched uh, alfalfa and, and uh, sorghum. But but which ones really fit on their specific fields? And so uh, we have a, a group of account executives that are located all across the country, and uh, they would be quite willing to uh, drive up the farmer's driveway and sit down and have that discussion. Uh, we also have a team of people. Uh, that, that work with farmers over the telephone. Uh, many large producers uh, actually prefer to do business over the telephone uh, because uh, it just takes less time. They they can get engaged. I was actually talking to a farmer this morning, and he's just like, you know, let's just cut out the happy talk. Let's just get right to the point. Here's my questions. Boom, boom, boom. We get done, and and uh, and the guy bought our seat. Uh, you know, had I shown up at his house, you know, you'd have to have the obligatory cup of coffee and a nice little chat, and then you get to business. Well. The really large producers, they realize, you know, they're, they're running big businesses on their farms. And they, uh, they like to do business in as efficient of a manner as possible. Uh, you know, we also have our ability to sell, uh, chemistry fully online, if you will, but almost all of our seed is happening through either a voice to voice or face to face conversation, but done in a way, uh, that best serves the farmer's needs. Now, best serving the farmer's needs, how are you able to pick genetics that work for each individual farmer? How do you guys go through that selection process when you're working with a grower? Well, so first of all, uh, one is we, op we, we openly own the idea that there are fields out there and farms out there that we simply cannot provide a product for. And I, I think that's also one thing that, that maybe uh, sets us aside a bit different, and we have to take that approach because all of our data is transparent to the farmers. So when, when farmers plant our seeds, 
we expect them to upload every bit of harvest information. So that harvest information will be a vis- will be visible to every other farmer that's a member of the of the farmers business network. So right off the bat, if we have a field or farm that has a unique situation uh, that uh, we don't have a hybrid for, we just have to tell the farmer, uh, you know what, we we can't help you on that field. Uh, fortunately, uh, we we've got a pretty good range of products. We have you know in the case of corn. Uh, what the industry would call racehorse hybrids for those guys that have very high productivity soils. Uh, maybe they have irrigation. They're willing to put on lots of nitrogen. Uh, we've got those kinds of hybrids that will just scream on top end yield. And then we also have a package of what, what we would call defensive hybrids. You know, the industry talks about these all the time. Uh, these are the hybrids that can really deal with the difficult conditions, whether that's heavy soils, uh, maybe it's drought stress in the West. Uh, so, you know, we have the, we have the basics of the portfolio, but as a new business, uh, we're, we're only going to bring forward the best hybrids uh, that we can find amongst our breeders' network. And uh, that means that there's also going to be situations that, you know, we can't address. And, and we're going to have an open, frank conversation with the farmer about that. Well, now let's talk about that breeders' network. You're starting from scratch, essentially. Is that right? Well, uh, yes and no. So the uh, the breeders that, that we're sourcing genetics from, uh they're, they sometimes have their own retail brands of seed that are already out in the marketplace, and we provide to them an opportunity to expand their footprint and, you know, a chance to make uh, more profit by licensing their genetics, you know, specific inbreds uh, that we can make new hybrids with. Uh, then, then there's also a, a group of breeders that uh, license uh, either to seed companies or to foundation companies or to the large multinationals. Uh, you know, a couple of the breeders we're working with actually license to uh, – uh, to all of the multinationals. And for us, we represent uh, a new path to market and, and a new approach to business with our data transparency uh, that, that good breeders really like. I mean, they love the idea uh, that farmers are going to really be able to see the full full range of performance of their products. Absolutely. Now, you've mentioned transparency several times. That is, of course, a key tenant of the Farmers Business Network. One of the ways in which this transparency is working its way down is pricing, an area that is traditionally very obscure, very obtuse, and not very well known, depending on what zone you're in. And, you know, you call the seed dealer and, oh, let me check. Give me that field's address. Talk about how pricing is going to be set up for the F2F genetic network. Well, yeah, and, and price transparency, thank you, is the is the piece that really gets a farmer's attention right off the bat. I think the product performance transparency and genetic transparency will actually make the farmer more money over time. But in the short run, Price transparency really gives the farmer strong negotiating power. So what, what price transparency is, is whether it's chemistry or seeds, is the farmer uh, that's a member um, has to upload their own price information. But once they upload their price information, what I mean by that is they simply take pictures of their seed invoices, uh, they upload that data, and then that gives them the opportunity to see what other farmers are paying. So this is not just the... Uh, uh, the F2F genetics products, this is their uh, Pioneer or their DeKalb or whatever brands they're planting on their farm, they can see exactly what other farmers are paying as an average and as a range of prices. Uh, they can also see uh, in different states what farmers are paying. And, you know, farmers need to have a frank discussion with their suppliers if they're not getting the, the kind of deal that they deserve. And I've been with farmers that are sometimes uh, you show them this data and they're just standing there in shock because they know what they paid and they're seeing what other farmers paid. And it's just like, are you kidding me? I've been loyal to this brand for perhaps, you know, 10 or more years. And this is how they're treating me. And, uh, and you know, I can imagine they have a pretty difficult discussion with their supplier 
But, you know, it's an important discussion because until now, farmers had no way to know uh, if they were getting a good deal or not on their Cedar Kim purchase. Absolutely. And then when you're pricing the new products coming out of the F2F Genetics program, it's all going to be a flat fee that's the same across the country. Is that right? Well, it is. It's a flat fee. Um, you know, we do have a, a category we call trailblazers. So these are farmers that are willing to try 500 acres. And for us to be able to ship that amount of seed at one point in time, uh, you know, we are we are selling that seed at a discount. But that's exactly the same whether you're in South Dakota or South Carolina. And so uh, and, and our prices, just like we're holding the industry accountable um, as farmers send in invoices of F2F genetics, uh, that will be uploaded as well. And we, we just have to hold ourselves to the same standard we're holding the industry to. Certainly. And then another another option that is coming through the F2F genetics program is the seed keeping ability for the soybean seed. Can you talk to a little bit about how that's going to work? So, absolutely. So in the case of soybeans, we're encouraging farmers to work with us to get set up to be able to save some of their soybeans uh, to be able to plant a seed the following year. And uh, there, there's some things that the farmers need to do. So, so first of all, they need to think like a seed producer as opposed to a grain farmer. And, and what I mean by that is they really need to take care of the crop because how well you take care of the crop that you're producing for seed definitely has an effect the following season. And so it needs to have good fertility. They need to use, uh, you know, a proper use of fungicides and insecticides. Uh, they need to harvest at the right moisture. And, and, and these are things we'll help the farmers with. And post-harvest, uh, they need to also take care. And so uh, we'll have the farmers provide us a sample uh, that we'll do uh, various quality tests on. We'll look at vigor. We'll look at uh, uh, we'll look at the glyphosate tolerance levels. And then uh, we'll also provide the farmer a seed treatment uh, that, that they will uh, be able to put onto their seed uh, so that we, we're doing all that we can to assure that the farmer is planting seed and not grain when they when they keep this back for the next year. Now, to do all that, um, and for us to still pay a royalty to the breeders because we want them to keep bringing us their best genetics, uh, then we'll charge the farmer a service fee. So this would be $10 or less, uh, which, which uh, if the farmer goes out to seed treatment alone that most farmers purchase, uh, similar to, to what we're offering, is going to cost more than $10. And so for $10 or less, the farmer gets not only the seed treatment but all these other things that I just discussed to really, to really have a dramatic cut in cost then that next season because his costs or his cost of his soybean production, maybe a little more TLC in the production field, and then the $10 service fee, which is uh, which is less than his typical cost that he's paying for seed treatment. So that will reduce his seed cost the next year on average by more than 50%. Wow, that is a big savings, especially when we're looking at uh, ways to keep our pencil sharp here in a downtrending farm economy. Well, that, that's just it. I mean, a lot of what we're doing – um, for farmers is is in respect to the current economic conditions. It's it's really tough. And you know, I, I might just mention in terms of, of you know economic conditions being tough. Besides price transparency and product transparency, we also bring genetic transparency. So uh, when farmers take a picture of their bag tag and they send that bag tag to us, it it opens up for them the ability to look at what we call relabeled hybrids, so they can understand if they're planting perhaps multiple hybrids on their farm, but they may happen to be exactly the same genetics. And, you know, in tough financial times, a, a farmer really has to not only manage their costs, but they need to manage their risk as well. And, and I've had numerous farmers tell me that they were just in shock when they first opened up Seed Finder to realize that they were planting 
three, four, five different hybrids on their farm, only to realize that they were exactly the same genetics and, and had taken a, a risk way beyond what they would have knowingly taken. Absolutely. Ron, for growers who are li- listening and interested in giving this a shot, who should they be in contact with? How can they get the ball rolling? Well, the fastest thing to do is if they go to fbn.com um, and they and they look at the website, there'll be a little pop-up for more information. But chances are, while they're online, uh, there'll also be a little screen that pops up that says, uh, would you like to discuss, uh, you know, about uh, how we might be able to work together? Uh, they can click on that, and uh, normally within seconds, uh, there'll be someone to give them a call to have a conversation and, and just to find out, you know, just to explore the ideas. So there's things that we can be doing uh, that will help their farm. And, uh, you know, it could be so simple as just becoming part of the network to access this data that I mentioned, uh, but maybe it goes a lot further and, and to actually purchase some of these unique products that we're offering. Fantastic. Ron Wolf, cool. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Well, that was Ron Wolfkill there with FBN Seed and Genetics. It's pretty cool the way they're, uh, that company is really working to disrupt the industry, Delaney. Yeah, absolutely. We've got lots of movers and shakers coming here in 2019 and beyond. We're excited to uh, start fresh here with a new year. If you want to engage with us outside of listening to the podcast, find us on social media at Ag News Daily on Facebook and on Twitter. Or interact with our new platform, our parent company, Global Ag Network, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. Or you can head to our new home, globalagnetwork.com. Mike, am I forgetting anything, or should we let the people go? You are forgetting nothing, Delaney. I say we let them go.